0: Hello, welcome to the Eidne Thiepkin 2022 review from The Honest Wargamer. Now we're gonna try something slightly different this time around. Normally I would do this with a Twitch chat or I'd do this live, but today I've decided to do it slightly differently. And instead of giving all my opinions on the book as we go through it, I'll try to keep that to a minimum. And instead I'll put all of those thoughts about how to build the army at the end. Instead, I'm just gonna generally present the information as I see it as we go through the book, pointing out bits that I think are particularly strong if you like the video and you like the new format please do let me know and you could drop a like and comment in the chat and that will really help me out okay so let's start with what's in the book obviously there's all of the lore and the painting and the other stuff but we don't really concern ourselves with that in this review instead we're looking at the rules and there's battle traits five sub factions 18 war scrolls four spells from the spell law nine command traits split over three different types of units that can take them nine artifacts again split over three different types of units and six mount traits split across two different types of units when we take a look at the war scrolls there are 18 war scrolls two battle line units in thralls and reavers so like a combat infantry and a shooting infantry four battle line if units so you have morsar and Guard that are eels and they become battle line with an achillean king and then you have an Alapex, which is a shark which becomes a battle line in a certain sub-faction and also leviadons which also become battle line in another sub-faction you have 10 leaders and three named characters and then you have one monster or behemoth which is obviously the big turtle and then you have the gloom tide shipwreck uh, the war score has been updated and is very very effective in the new book Okay, so I know, I know I said I was going to give my impressions at the end, but just if you can't wait, my very quick first impressions are these. Number one, it's probably the most anti-shooting book we've ever seen. Now, Idna Deepkin already took that place in the Age of Sigmar meta up until this point. Because of Forgotten Nightmares, their battle trait, they already were so good at being able to deal with shooting or at least mitigate some of its effects. They've had an increase in their ability to do so in this book. And so we might be able to start to see some sort of solutions to some of the current problems at time of recording that you didn't see in the Age of Sigmar Meta. Now the book is really interesting because it has lots of units that fill all sorts of roles. They have on-foot characters and infantry units and they have a lot of very, very fast units. And what's quite nice is the whole book synergizes with itself very well. It's really well thought through from allegiance abilities all the way through to war scrolls in lots of ways. And it's nice to see a lot of repetition on some of those abilities across the army because it really gives it a flavor and style. Now you're gonna be able to build hordes you're going to be able to build hordes from this army an army traditionally that didn't generally run lots of reavers or namati although at the uh before this book has been released we did actually see some reaver builds but you definitely are going to see some namati fighting blocks now because of a couple of combinations that you can see which are going to build some big strong armies the army still has always strikes first in round three or if you flip the tides in round two huge this has been talked about a lot in competitive coverage in games and a bunch of other sources. It's problematic uh, for lots of armies in lots of different ways, because it effectively gives such an incredibly huge boost to this army on round three and creates a ticking clock for your opponent. Your opponent is f- feels forced to engage earlier with you as a player, with you knowing that round three, all of your eggs come home to roost. That isn't the saying, that is not the saying, but either way, It's an incredibly strong ability and the fact that it's been kept and in addition has got bonuses is wild and finally the book has had a lot of cleaning up there's some rules changed around but it's not that different from the book we've seen previously all the way people have already played now I guess there's pros and cons to this one if you like how the army already played you're going to be able to just slide on in uh, to the shallow water of this book knowing that it's already exactly what you kind of know and feel it's had some nice cleanups on some rules which I thought were way too strong but also I don't really know how much time something like this would particularly take to develop One of the things that was always interested me is just how much R&D time is spent on Age of Sigmar and some of the battle tomes that we see. And it would have been nice to have seen maybe more, but current versions of the books that we see in Age of Sigmar 3 seem to be very stripped back, very slimline, and also not a lot of development has gone into them. Let's talk battle traits. A battle trait is what you get for your army when you all have a keyword in your army list. So in this case, it will be Ideneth Deepkin that gives you an allegiance and your allegiance allows you to have battle traits, gives you access to spell laws, command traits, etc. In this case, there are two battle traits which are very, very, very good. The first one is Forgotten Nightmares. This is what makes it a great anti-shooting army in that friendly Ideneth Deepkin units can only be targeted as the target of a shooting attack if they're the closest unit to the attacking model. This is obviously absolutely excellent for controlling board space and making it so your opponent can only really shoot what you want, but it goes deeper and it gets stronger. The Tides of Death are a buff that you get every battle round, starting with Low Tide and ending with Ebb Tide, and your entire army is affected by these effects. In addition, if you have an Isharan character in your army, you can also choose to have one effect applied at some point during the game so we'll go through them really quickly and I'll re-explain the Isharan part in a minute low tide you get cover so that's gonna be plus one save which is exactly what you would really want on the first turn flood tide which is turn two you can run and still shoot or charge which is excellent you've got a lot of hybrid units in this army that can fight and shoot and the ability to go even faster and there's some very fast units is excellent and the ability to charge afterwards is also really really strong so you've got big threat ranges from shooting and your ability to project power via fighting even better on the third round as I've already said, you get high tide, which is always strikes first as you can see in the core rules for Ignath Deepkin units. And this is absolutely an amazing rule. Crazy that this is stated truthfully in the book and it's so so strong. And then round 4, you've got ebb tide, which is retreating charge for Deepkin units, which is really nice as units start to get a little bit unbattled and maybe whittled down and you can start to use them uh, in ways that your opponent wasn't expecting. Now, again, just to talk about the the element if you do have an Issueran character in your army, then what you're going to be able to do. So, if you have an Issueran character in your army, like a Tidecaster, a Soul Scryer, a Soul Render, or Lotan, for example, at the start of the first battle round, you're going to be able to choose to have an additional effect happen when one of the tides occurs. So, for instance, with low tide, when you get cover, you can choose that you cannot be picked as the target of a shooting attack unless the model is within 12 inches. Now, you can't choose all of these per turn. It's one choice unless you choose a certain character, in which case you're able to choose two, which is very, very, very strong. This does mean that you do have to plan ahead of time. What sort of uh, additional bonus would you like to take? And you are going to have to spend some points on a character to get these buffs so what are the buffs well low tide when you get cover you can also as i've said cannot be picked as the target of a shooting attack unless the model is within 12 inches amazing anti-shooting tech meaning the shooting units have to be super super close they're not going to do it they're not going to want to do it Uh, and it means that you can avoid first turn alpha shooting which is huge Flood Tide, which is turn two, you can run and still shoot or charge, and this choice from an Isharan gives you plus one to run and charge. Probably not the strongest, but it does make your army a little bit faster. I don't think this is what people are going to choose. Turn three, you've got High Tide, which is when you have got the always strikes first effect for your Nethicane army, and in this, Namati have a five-up ward save and this is really big because this keys in with what i think is going to be one of the choice builds for the current book at the points values that we see units be finally on Eptide, when you've got retreat and charge for iron units retreating units will do d3 mortal wounds units within three inches on a four up now i don't really see that being taken and i really don't see plus one to run and charge either so it's really between the first one and the second one and what's really powerful about this is if you bring your ishran character you get the choice you can just choose so if you think okay i'm definitely going to be fighting a fighting army i don't have to worry about the shooting you're going to choose the high tide buff of a five up ward for nomati units if you come up against some alpha shooting you're going to choose the low tide buff from the ishran character absolutely huge utility pick for the adnath players they're going to be really happy with this toolbox of, of units and kits and it's super good right let's talk about the gloom tide shipwreck this is the piece of fraction terrain that you get for free when you bring a Adneth Deepkin army. And this has had a bit of a glow up which is really nice now when you do buy the kit it comes as uh, a boat that you can kind of stick together or you can have its two halves and it's reflected in the rules that you can either decide to have them together as one big boat or you can separate them out um, but they have to be three inches apart so as you can see you can be set up within one or two pieces three inches apart and set up wholly within your territory so in some battle plans this will be really good and some battle plans not quite as good and from all objectives or other terrain features but you're going to want to bring one with you because it's got such an amazing Buff. INET Deepkin units without a mount, wholly within six inches of the terrain feature, have a five up ward save. If an enemy unit is within three inches of this terrain feature, it has no effect. So your opponent has got some ability to do some counterplay, which is excellent, but. A five-up ward for your units is really good. This is mainly going to affect um, the Marty and Reavers. Uh, Sorry, yes, Thralls and Reavers is what it's mainly going to affect. It's just an outstanding buff, especially thinking early turns, you are going to be near your piece of terrain. It's got a really big aura, so you could hold an objective with a five-up ward. And in addition, then later on when you choose to charge with your uh, Thralls, for example, you can give them the five-up ward on turn three or during high tide, if you flip the tides, it could even be turn two. The spell of the law that you get to choose from if you do take Iron is the law of the deep. You've got Seed of Tides, which is a casting value of five, and you pick a hero that's not a monster within six inches and you deep strike them. This is really good for being able to teleport your on specifically, or I guess your Achillean King or maybe one of your support pieces you've got counter current which is a casting value of 6 pick an enemy unit within 18 inches you half run and charge rolls now this is really good low enough casting value and it's gonna be able to shut down some charging which is good because your army is going to want to charge some of those units first especially with the always strikes first mechanics pressure of the deep is a casting value of 7 and it has a range of 12 inches and you roll a d6 and if you beat the wounds characteristic of the model that you're targeting it is slain and then you've got arcane corrosion, which is a casting value of six. It's minus one rend until your next hero phase to an enemy unit within 12 inches. Now this is quite nice, especially if you key this in with things like a Leviathan and the mount trait that we'll talk about in a bit. But I think it's unlikely that you're going to see. Uh, I think it's unlikely you're going to see that spell, but maybe you will. It's a nice toolbox spell uh, that you can have inside your army. On to sub factions. Now, when you choose your Deepkin army, you get all of the battle traits we've already talked about, but you also get to choose a sub faction when you choose a sub faction your whole army is from that sub faction and you get a special additional ability so let's go through them nautilar gives you access to a new monstrous action called crushing assault this lets leviadon's massive scythe fins become rend 3 it also makes leviadon's battle line this is cute i'm sure people are going to take some battle line leviadons maybe they've got a great shooting attack now uh, but ultimately i don't think you'll see this see much play Morphan, Soul Magic Adepts. Uh, the Lurlight ability that you find on a Soul render adds three to the number that's returned. The Lurlight ability allows you to return D3 Slain models to a Nomata unit wholly within 18 inches. This adding plus three is really, really nice if you wanted to make some hordes and if you wanted to try and resurrect them and keep putting more and more of them on the board. Futhwan allows you to have access to the Bloodthirsty Shiver. Now, the Bloodthirsty Shiver is three single Alapexes, which all become battle line it costs 495 points for three single alopexes and what it gives you it allows you to choose one of those alopexes from a bloodthirsty shiver and add plus two to its ferocious bite so plus two attacks to its ferocious bite or if it's within range of another of the achillean alopexes from the bloodthirsty shiver it adds plus three Now this is really nice because Alapexes are really well pointed, 165, they've got a great shooting attack, they've got a great fighting attack, their battle line, which means you don't have to take other units. They don't score more on objectives like something like a Mega Gargan, but they will count as five models, but they will count more than infantry will on an objective. I can definitely see multiple small units of Alapexes on the board playing really solid Warhammer, they're a great hybrid unit, they shoot and fight really well, could be a really good build. Now Dom Hain, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think that this is the one this is the one that you might see played on the tabletop but I would say that some of the others definitely have some options this gives you an amazing ability called Namati Savages and this keys off something we haven't seen previously where if you go first or second in the battle round it allows you to apply a different ability to your army so if you are going first in the battle round we call that having the priority you can charge at the end of combat with a namati unit that's already fought and if there's no unit within 3 inches then fight again so effectively if a namati unit has charged wiped out a unit and then there's no unit within 3 inches they can charge again and fight again this is absolutely amazing This means that you can get two activations out of a Nomati unit, which is really, really good. It's going to make those combats even more tense to see if you can free yourself up for a follow-on charge. If you go second in a battle round, you can redeploy up to three units instead of one when doing the redeploy command. And this is really good because this is going to be able to shut down other people's charges into you, which is going to key in so nicely with your ability to charge them. However, this is all dependent on if you get the priority roll or not. So this is another thing to factor in when you do play this game, which is really fun for people who really like to deep dive, planning out their turns and working out what they're going to do. I think this is a really nice rule, and I also think it's a very strong rule. Ryomda gets Supreme Soul Scryers. This allows you to have three units deployed with a Soul Scryer instead of two, which it normally can take into Deep Strike during the deployment step of the game. It also allows you to set up the Soul Scryer within 12 inches of the board edge, as opposed to six, which is what it says on its War Scroll okay it's time to start reviewing the units and first up are the Eidolons the avatars of the elven race that is the Eidoneth Deepkin Aspect of the Storm is a very common unit that you already see in lots of ana lists on the competitive stage. And I don't see that changing in any way. It has slightly gone up points to 355 uh, from 320, but it's such an incredibly good unit. It moves 12 inches, it's got the fly keyword, it's got 12 wounds with a three up save, and it's got a five up ward built into its war scroll. When it charges, it heals D3 wounds, and it also gets plus one to wound and damage of the spear when charging, taking up to damage three now often you'll see an arcane tome with flaming weapons on the aspect of the storm making its spear damage four on the charge which is really really good it's got retreat and charge and it's got plus one to wound aura to units wholly within 12 inches for melee weapons excluding mounts now this is huge because it used to be 18 inches and it used to be plus one to wound to everything mounts and shooting so you could have some pretty scary shooting on twos and twos You're not gonna be able to do that anymore. And that's really good for the health of the game. And it's also really good for this unit because it was so overwhelmingly positive. Now, some people are gonna feel hard done by, by that change, but it's really good. have that done in my opinion it also gets plus one to hit and wound against an enemy hero in three inches with less than eight wounds so it's really really good at sniping out characters when it does get into melee it's also gained the totem keyword which is really really big because if it's not your general then this means you're still going to be able to do command abilities from 18 inches away which makes this mobile character really good at fighting dishing out command abilities and being in the middle of a fight and a nice final additional little change is its cruel hook has also gone up to damage two previously from damage one so a good good combat character priced well very survivable because of that five up ward does an additional heal which you can also proc with also heroic recovery great unit. Now, the aspect of the sea is the magic version of the eidolons and comes in at 325 points it's got everything that its brother does moves 12 inches fly 12 wounds with a three up save and a five up ward as a caster it can cast two spells and it can unbind two spells and it's also got access to two unique spells it can reroll casting and dispelling and unbinding and it heals d3 when it casts a spell which is good although maybe your mage shouldn't be in the middle of a fight Previously, it added plus three bravery to Aynathiepkin units within 18 inches. And now they've kind of done a different version of this in which Aynathiepkin units wholly within 18 inches of an aspect of the sea are Bravery 10, which is really nice, especially on those multi-wound units or specifically Alapexes. They've got pretty low bravery in Bravery 6, so it's nice to make them Bravery 10, meaning those multi-wound models won't run away there are two spells locked into the war scroll of the aspect of the sea one of them hasn't changed the spell of cloying mist which is cast on a six you either heal d3 or you do d3 mortal wounds to a unit within 12 inches however the spell tsunami of terror has changed it's a casting value of seven and d3 enemy units within 12 inches have minus one to the save characteristic against melee attacks now this is quite nice because rend is not all over the place in this army there's lots of rend one attacks in different places and so it'd be good to have this to kind of additionally add to that whether or not you're going to see this unit in the game i'm not really sure previously you didn't often see the aspect of the seeing lists anyway and i'm not really sure you're going to see this in lists as much as the aspect of the storm it's good caster though, which is really positive for the army but the army really dishes out a lot of damage and the casting, while good, is still limited range and so your caster has to be in the middle of a fight which I think is the main issue. Now you can take some enhancements for your Eidolons if you want, you can take command traits and you can take artifacts of power. The command traits you can take are Ancient Pride which is ones and twos miss against an Eidolon um, when it's the general in melee. You can have the Nightmare Legacy which isn't for the aspect of the storm only and it can do a monstrous rampage. It doesn't have the monster keyword on its war scroll, and so it can't do monstrous actions. This is good for the aspect of the storm because then you can use the raw monstrous action because then your opponent can't use all out defense, meaning that you are gonna be able to get that damage through even easier. The endless sea storm command trait for the aspect of the sea only is if you cast a spell on a seven, you get to cast another spell. I quite like this. You could have an aspect of the sea doing lots and lots of magic which is really quite interesting but again limited range on some of those spells i quite like this because you could just keep casting a lot of spells and have a kind of magical bunker coming from the aspect of the sea the problem that i see with this unit is that the spells are fairly limited range and the unit doesn't really bring much other utility to the army Now, the artifacts you can take are the Bioshock Shell, which is once per battle at the start of the combat phase. You can apply a Strike Last Effect on an enemy hero on 3d6. This is okay and keys in with some of the other allegiance abilities and abilities that you find in the army, which could be quite nice, again, to put on the Aspect of the Storm. The Horseshoe is a once per battle ability so that ones or twos miss when hitting this unit in melee. The Kraken Tooth is a once per battle at the start of your shooting phase. You slay a model of 10 or less wounds on a 6 and you do 2 d 6 mortal wounds to a unit with 10 or more wounds this is okay but once per battle units um, oh, this is okay but once per battle items i don't think see much play in the game okay on to the high king himself Volturnus. 290 points of raw fish and elf energy moves 14 has got fly now, doesn't have a ward save, and this is pretty important. Has 8 wounds with 3-up save. Has the Warmaster, so will always count as a general in your army. And has got a 3-up spell ignore against spell effects and the effects of End Spells. Now, he gives out a buff aura of plus 1 to hit in melee for Achillean units wholly within 12 inches, excluding the mounts that they ride in on. The Deepman mount that he's riding on uh, does D3 mortal wounds on the charge on a 2-up. And then he's got an ability. Once about at the start of the combat phase, you can pick three Eidneth Deepkin units affected by High Tide, wholly within 12 inches. And until the end of that phase, they have plus one attack on melee weapons. It really does feel like Volturnus is designed to go forward with Achillean units because of that plus one to hit aura that he has. It really does feel like Volturnus is there to go forward with Achillean units. And we're gonna talk about those in a minute because of that plus one to hit buff but the fact that it doesn't benefit the mounts anymore really means it's not quite as stackable as we've previously seen in other versions of iron net deepkin and also that once per battle ability is really interesting for this army this army's got loads of ways to make sure it's chipping damage away at you at range so when turn three and high tide is coming forward the volturnus is going to be able to engage with you and with his support units really easily and can strike first and really activate that once per battle ability that you see on his war scroll to maximum effect okay let's talk about the achillean units which you can use with volturnus and the first up the Guard or as they're known more efficiently the defensive eels they move 14 inches they fly and they come in units of three they've got four wounds apiece with a four up save and their bravery seven Now the command unit gives plus one attack on the champion. You're able to have a banner which gives plus one bravery and you're able to have a trumpeter which gives plus one to charge. Now this is a big debuff from what they previously had. They had reroll Battleshock tests from their banner and they also had reroll charges from the trumpeter. So ultimately this war scroll is far less effective than it was last time around. It's also gone up points. It's 155 points previously but it's now gone up to 195 points for three. Now this unit is battle line if you do make a Achillean King your general. Now onto the defensive element of what an Guard unit does, and it's got ignore modifiers to save rolls. It had this previously, and on the charge, it has a three up save. So when you charge, then you end up on a three up save, and you can ignore positive and negative modifiers, making it very survivable and very defensive, which is really good. However, I think one of the reasons that you saw it a lot before was the fact it was a lot cheaper than it is now. And now it's a screen or a defensive unit that is even more expensive. But, but, the defensive eels are potentially more offensive than they were previously. Whereas before they would have three attacks from their Hellsaber, that was threes and threes, no render damage one. They've gained a pip of rend, which is really nice. Now the Fangmora's fanged more, used to be one attack, threes and threes, rend one, damage, d3 and now it's the same profile but instead of having one attack it's three attacks which is really nice so this unit has gained an additional six attacks which are hit on threes wound on threes rend one and damage d3 however they have lost the lashing tail attack that's no longer on their war scroll has been consolidated into the fanged maw. this is one of those units where i'm really interested to see how people who've been using these for a while feel about the changes a little bit more output but does cost more interesting interesting unit now the morsar guard the terror of the competitive Age of scene for many a year has changed as well. The same as its brothers, Moose 14, fly and comes in units of 3. It's got 4 wounds with a 4-up save and a bravery of 7. But they've also re- lost their reroll charges and they've lost their reroll bravery checks. They get plus 1 to the charge now but this is very different to that reroll and so they aren't as effective as they were previously in just absolutely slipping across the board in what we used to call the Salmon Cannon. Like the other eels, they've also had the Fangmora's Lashing Tail consolidated into the Fangmora, so you do end up with three attacks, threes and threes, rend one, d3 damage, and they've still got two attacks, threes and threes, no rend, damage one on the vault spit. However, when they charge, that does become rend two and damage two they've also kept their biovoltaic blast which is mortal wound from each model in the unit you roll a dice for each model in the unit and on a three plus they do a mortal wound but on a six you do d3 mortal wounds they're also 195 points and so they haven't changed points with the new book coming out and so it's very interesting to see how they are going to stack against the defensive ills with really great movement and the fact that you've still got all strikes first in the army i could still see more Guard causing many people trouble the other achillean unit that we're going to see are Alapexes, 165 points Alapexes have been through a strange time recently in the recent fury of the deep fomo box that was released by games workshop they went up to 10 wounds which meant they no longer benefited the buff from a leviadon which gave them plus one save in this battle tome they've gone back to eight wounds which is really really interesting uh, which means they will benefit from plus one to save from the Leviathan, which is great news if you wanted that i'm not really sure on the maths right now uh but it'll be really excited to explore that over the coming week now they're eight wounds with a four up save and they're a bravery of six they aren't battle line unless you take them in futhwan you can reinforce them at least once and you can have units of two and when you do have a unit of two then you get a champion and they get plus one to attack uh to its melee weapons but obviously not the Alopex. The Alopex isn't a champion Alopex. I wonder what a champion shark looks like. They also have a three inch coherency when they're in a unit over two. They come in units of one. You also get plus one attack to the bite attack on an Alopex if any enemy models within six inches have suffered any wounds or mortal wounds that turn. You have two shooting profiles on the Alopex. You have the Net Launcher and the Razor Shell Harpoon. The Razor Shell Harpoon already got an update in the aforementioned FOMO box, but it's 24 inch range, four attacks, Threes and threes, rend one damage D3, which is a huge buff from what it used to be. The Restarius net launcher has got one attack, it's threes and threes, no rand, and it's damage three. But, and this is what's important, it stops pilings. So you have a utility piece in an Alapex that can defend itself quite well in combat with three attacks from the jaw, threes and threes, rend two, damage two. And then it's also got six attacks from the rider, which are threes and threes, rend one damage one. Or you have a shooting platform, which is also a fighting unit. If you take the razor shell harpoon, I wouldn't be surprised to see lots of armies of Futhuan alapexes firing their razor shell harpoons and creating some chum in the water, in which the alapexes later charge when they have always strikes first across their army. And finally, the other Achillean keyword unit that we're seeing is the Leviadon now it moves 10 inches and it can fly it's got 16 wounds and it starts on 2-up save that degrades as it takes wounds it's got plus 1 to save rolls for Aenathikin units wholly within 12 inches with 8 or less wounds so our Alapexes are going to count and that's really good for our Namati and it's really good for lots of our units our Morsar Guard are another example you also get plus 1 to hit enemy units that are wholly within 12 inches of the Leviadon for Nemati units. So if the enemy unit is wholly within 12 inches of a Leviathan, then Nemati units get plus one to hit against it, which is really cool. Now it's had an upgrade and a big points hike as well. The Razor Shell Harpoon previously wasn't in line with the Alapexes, but it has now been brought in line. So you have a massive eight shots hitting on threes, wound on threes, rend one, d3 damage from the Razor Shell Harpoons, located on the back of the Achillean Leviathan, The unit can fly, uh, and it's also got a big, big attack with its Jaws of Death. If the Unmodified Hit Roll for an attack made by the Jaws of Death is a six, you inflict three Mortal Wounds, but if it's hitting a monster you do six mortal wounds in addition it does d3 mortal wounds with its stomp like most monsters do however if you're fighting units with a rune's characteristic of one it's going to do d6 mortal wounds it's also gained the totem keyword so you're going to be able to do command abilities within 18 inches of it which is absolutely fantastic however the sad news for players who already have one of these it's gone from 380 to 500 points so a really big points hike on this unit the only thing that's really gained is the additional shooting which is generally fantastic it's very very good now the plus one to hit for uh Namati units is really good and the plus one save i think is really good as well so i think you're still going to see on units in lots of iron deepkin lists i can completely see it and you can really see how having three of these in an army as battle line is genuinely very scary because you're going to be looking at 24 shots that do d3 damage from across the room however their ability to hold objectives and score objectives is going to be quite tough and without having a ward save i do wonder how uh, they're going to deal with mortal wounds either way i'm really interested to see what people's thoughts are on the Leviathan, um, and it's really interesting to see this very necessary support piece go up to such a big points price and we'll see how that affects lists also you can give mount trace your Leviathan, and they are pretty good ancient means that rend of minus one becomes rend dash which makes that leviadon which starts on a two up save that much more survivable. Denizen of the darkest depths, weapons with a damage characteristic of one are minus one to wound which is also really, really nice. Although I do think you're gonna see big monsters trying to take down a leviadon. And finally the reverberating car pace, which is the void drum, which gives our plus one to save and our plus one to hit aura Goes from 12 inches to 15 inches and i really do think that we're going to see that it's already in effect in age of Sigmar right now uh, that it was already in and available for anethypkin players already competitively and i really expect to continue to see that okay next up is the achillean king now this is the non-named version of volturnus and so this you can give mount traits command traits and artifacts to. now the achillean king is great Moves 14 inches and can fly seven wounds with a three-up save but again no ward Plus one to hit for Akinian units wholly within nine inches, excluding mounts, rather than Volturnus' is wholly within 12 inches. Does D3 mortal wounds on the charge with a Deep Mare mount on a two plus. And the pole arm is Ren 3 damage three on the charge, which is really good. Now he's got a unique ability, which is once per battle, which is at the end of your charge phase, D3 Eidneth Deepkin units wholly within 12 inches get the high tide effect in addition to any currently in effect until the end of that turn and this just opens up so many options i imagine two big bricks of namati thralls running forward turn two charging and then the achelian king giving them the always strikes first ability and then allowing them to charge on again if they're in the sub faction that lets them do so and then it's turn three and you can do the whole process again but you don't need to have the always strikes first ability in effect then which is just huge i'm sure there are loads of other combinations to key in with this as well but i will see i do think the achilling king is going to be like a key piece in adnath deepkin armies going forward previously 230 points now 250 points which is really really okay really nice piece really synergistic with lots of other units inside the army especially because his buff does benefit achillean units but the once per battle ability affects keyword idneth deepkin units which really does give him more utility in that kind of cross synergy between Nemati and achillean if you want to pimp up your achillean king then you have these achillean enhancements which also you can put on a thrall as well now your command traits you can have are born from agony which is the end of the shock phase you roll a dice and on a six you heal all wounds very situational and i think unlikely to be taken lord of the storm and sea is shock immunity for friendly ironed deepkin within 12 inches holy within and i'm absolutely certain we'll see that taken several times unstoppable fury while affected by the high tide you get plus two attacks for each enemy unit within three inches i love that i love the idea of creating an absolutely massively powerful fighting achillean king now the artifacts of power that you see are the disharmony stones which once per battle at the start of the hero phase you do some silly mortal wound rubbish that genuinely is not worth me reading out potion of hateful frenzy is once per battle at the start of the hero phase and until the end of that turn plus one to hit wound run charge and the attack profile of melee weapons for that unit but the bearer suffers d3 mortal wounds in the next hero phase I do like the idea of getting all those pluses to all of those different things, but taking D3 Mortal Wounds on a unit that's only got seven wounds on the Achillian King, I don't really see being something I'll do. The Armor of Scythia is that sixes to hit the bearer ignore proc effects. So if you do something that does Mortal Wounds on sixes, then the Achillean King can ignore it. That's a nice utility piece to have inside your army maybe you'll have it maybe you won't i really don't see that being as useful as some of the other artifacts available but you really might take it now you get a free mount trait with your army and you've got to decide whether or not the Leviathan or the deep mare is going to get that mount trait the deep mare that the Keeling kings riding can have the swift finned impaler which is the horn attack which does d3 more wounds on two plus goes to d6 more wounds savage frosty where you get plus one attack to the fangs and talons of its lashing tails which is pretty good And then Voidual Darkness, which units within 3 inches are minus 1 to hit. This is huge. It's not wholly within, and it's units within, which is really, really powerful. This means you could send the Achillean King with the Voidual Darkness into units to really debuff their ability to hit back against your army. Quite like that I think that's quite good overall I could see the Keeling King being built as a big punching unit uh, a debuff unit a support piece it just really fits into lots of different units the only thing to say about it is it doesn't have a ward save so it has a big target on its back now onto the Ishran characters which you are going to be bringing along if you would like to use the Ishran rituals again those are chosen in the first battle round after the players have received their starting command points this is where you're going to be able to give yourself the ability to not be shot outside of 12 inches on turn one or maybe a five up ward on turn three for nomati units first up is Lotan, the joke the humor the squiddy powerful monster that was Lotan in the previous edition has had a bit of a glow up he's got five wounds four up save and a five up ward in fact all of the isharan characters have received a five up ward which i think is quite nice i like the idea that it's a powerful uh, magical energy that's protecting them and keeping them safe but also it would be quite nice to see quite a few support characters have just a blanket five up ward because it makes them far more useful in a very shooting heavy game now what does lotan do plus one to wound for Ineth deep units wholly within 12 inches in the melee step that's absolutely wicked most of this army is threes and threes. So the ability for that to be twos and twos is huge. It would be really, really cool to see blocks of thralls, again, hit on twos, wound on twos, and we wouldn't be finished with all the buffs we could apply to that unit. And this is just for having Lotan nearby. He's also got a once per battle ability, which is at the start of the hero phase, if this unit is on the board, you can pick one of the Ineth units, wholly within 12 inches, and they can be affected by one ritual from the Isharan table this means if you did happen to choose so that you didn't get alpha struck on the first turn by shooting this does mean that you could still give one of your namati units a 5 up ward on round 3 which is really really nice now your low tan used to be 75 points and he's gone up to 115 points he has got a lot better though in my opinion he's got a big change in his abilities the plus one to wound aura is really really good and his once per battle ability is decent as well 115 points i could absolutely see him being with big hordes of thralls now the tidecaster's has had a big points hike it's gone from 105 to 150 points and I would really expect to see the Tidecaster in some lists. It's a wizard and it's got a unique spell, which is really good. Five wounds with a four-up save and a five-up ward is nice. And move six inches so you can keep up with your foot troops, if that's what you're looking to do. However, you can pick two Ishran rituals instead of one. So if you feel like you need both buffs or two buffs out of the four buffs that we've talked about previously from the rituals table then you can take the tidecaster you can have a wizard and you can gain access to two of those buffs which is really really good it does mean you cover all bases but you are paying more points to cover those bases and you're also losing out on the plus one to wound that you get from Lotan, which is really really good the tidecaster also has a great spell it's a casting value of seven and it's called riptide a unit within 18 inches takes d3 mortal wounds and is minus one to their attacks profile until the next hero phase so it's a really nice debuff that you can put onto the enemy there are loads of debuffs that we've talked about already in this army we've already seen minus ones to hit and we've also seen half runs and charges so you could build into that in your army if you were trying to do so now the soul scribe or famously the pointy man has gone up ten points from 140 to 150 points, but has got five wounds, has got five wounds and a four up save, way up from his six up save that he previously had and a five up ward. So the survivability that we're seeing on him is now really 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 good he's also lost his scryfish shoal which was a very famous shooting attack which was fish that attacked you from 18 inches he's now got spiked jaws which is 12 inch range and instead of being fives and fives is now twos and fours rend one damage one so eight attacks at 12 inches as a missile weapon Two to hit fours to wound rend one damage one but the important point about this unit is that he can go in reserve with two other units so him and two other units can go in reserve he arrives in outflank which means outside of nine inches of the enemy but wholly within six inches of the board edge and the other two units that arrive have to be wholly within nine inches of this unit which does mean you've got quite a lot of space on the board to put these models down but losing reroll charges in the army on some of the faster units specifically the eels does mean i don't know if we're going to see so much of the soul Scry in the future finally the soul render 90 points previously 120 points now has also gained that five up ward move six with five wounds and a four up save and he can return d3 namati to a unit wholly within 18 inches and the same unit cannot benefit from this twice so you can't have multiple soul renders to keep trying to replace those hordes of namati if you want he's also got a once per battle ability the end of the combat phase you pick one unit with a wound characteristic of seven or less and no mount and you roll 2d6 if the roll is greater it is slain now i don't see the soul render necessarily making it into lists i mean 120 points isn't bad for what is effectively an emerald life swarm that you don't have to cast. It also gives you access to the Ishran table if the other characters aren't what you want to get from the army. But I do think if you're going for Hordes of Namati, returning D3 will do little, and instead having Lotan with plus one to Wound Aura is probably gonna be stronger. Of the four Ishran characters, I like Lotan and the Tidecaster most. I think the Soul Scryer probably has lost his utility more than he previously had because of the reroll charges. And also the Soul Render, I just don't think does enough in an army, but we might see that change and other people will always run stuff that I wasn't expecting now you can make an ishran character a general and give it an artifact the command traits that you gain access to are the hunter of the souls which is start the combat phase if the general is within three inches of a hero or a unit champion there are three plus for d3 mortal wounds you're never going to see that merciless raider six is to hit auto wound i probably don't think you'll see that either teachings of the terse is you flip the tides and the ebb tide is first that is really good like i could absolutely see that happen that i could definitely see that taken which would mean that you would get the always strikes first ability happening on turn two uh, but that does mean that that unit would have to be your general so interesting to see uh, but i i really think that we'll see teachings of the tur goal taken the artifacts of power that you can take are the drich leech which is subtract one from casting unbinding, dispelling from enemy units within 18 inches which is okay rune of the surging gloom tide which is once per battle you summon a gloom tide shipwreck wholly than 12 inches normal restrictions apply so outside of three of other terrain and objectives i could see this being something that gets taken because we know it gives a five at ward to the Marta units so i could see that being something that people spec into which would be really fun to put a garrison in the middle of a board and finally brain barnacles which having read it is what i think the writer had when also writing what this artifact does because i still don't know okay weirdly, because of how it seems structured, onto our last three war scrolls, two of which are the battle line for the army. Now, the Thrallmaster is a character, an Achillean character, that you're able to take. It moves six inches, got five wounds, four up save, but no ward. However, the Thrallmaster is really good if you're taking Namati Horts. At the start of the combat phase, choose a fighting stance and affects them and all Namati wholly within 12 inches. And the three options are Reroll hit rolls of one in melee, which is very good for an army that could potentially be hitting on twos. Rerolling ones is really good, making them way more effective. You could have exploding sixes, which is nice. So only sixes to hit generate two wound rolls. And then you've got minus one to be wounded, which is really good, because this happens at the start of each combat phase. So if you get charged, you're gonna choose the minus one to be wounded option, which is really good. And will key in really nicely with all our defense, making the army that much more survivable. The Thrallmaster comes in a blisteringly good 110 points. Now, I don't think you would take the Thrallmaster if you don't have Namati Hordes, but Namati Hordes will work really nicely with a Thrallmaster. A good example would be, if you did happen to have a Thrallmaster, Lotan, a Leviadon, and two units of 30 Namati Thralls, you would have units that can be hitting on twos, rerolling ones, wounding on twos because of low tan and can be striking several times across multiple phases okay on to thralls they're units of 10 and they've got a four up save now over a five up save that they had previously and this is really really nice because that's going to key in super nicely with the Levidon meaning these one wound units are going to have a three up armor save if they're near a bloom tide shipwreck they have a five up ward and if they're in turn three in high tide they're also going to have a five up ward unbelievable when they come in at the incredibly cheap price of 130 points for 10 and then your battle line we are not finished there though they've got two attacks each so that hit on threes wound on threes and their rend one damage one but because of their sweeping blows ability if they are fighting a unit with a wounds characteristic of one, they get plus one attack, which is a really elegant solution for hordes, meaning your unit of 10 is gonna do 30 attacks. However, if you're fighting against a unit that's got a wounds characteristic of three or more, then you're gonna get plus one damage, meaning they're damaged too. And these guys, I think, will be the competitive choice for the Eidneth Deepkin. I think that they're going to be very, very solid. Five up ward, always strikes first, wipe units out and charge again plus one to wound plus one to hit reroll ones it's very easy to get 30 of these hitting on twos rerolling ones wounding on twos with a five up ward on a three up save wiping unit out and then fighting again with 90 attacks it's crazy good i think thralls are big winners big big winners and you're going to see lots of them on the tabletops and finally reavers they move eight inches and they've got a five up save but they've got a whisper bow which is 18 inch rage two attacks threes and threes rend one damage one and if you're within nine inches that is going to go up to twos they get plus one to hit and these guys i think are great now they haven't got run and charge as they had previously but they do have that in the tides on turn two which is really really strong they are however 170 points and they provide a really good shooting platform and lots of dice so, depending on where the meta is going to go with the army it do you want lots of shots coming out of units like reavers or do you want to do damage that you're going to see on top of Alapexes and leviadon which is less shots but it's d3 damage most of the rules changes that we've seen in the army have changed to melee so there's been far less buffs to the reaver unit um, however they do have the ability to shoot at shooting units which on turn one might not be able to shoot them which is really, really interesting. I think Reavers have definitely got a place inside the army. I just don't expect to see them as much as maybe we would have if we hadn't seen any of the rules changes which we've seen inside this book. We're going to be deep diving this book later in the week, live on Twitch and with some other people on the show to get some other opinions. So this is just my first take and my first pass at the book. I think the book is really interesting. It's got obvious real anti-shooting tech built into it feels like there's lots and lots of opportunities to create a very very good melee army here but is backed up by some prodigious shooting really really good shooting i think there's also the option that this just becomes a shooting list i could definitely see an almost all alapex list because of the sheer volume of shots that you could potentially get on the first turn even dropping a turtle so that you would just have more alapexes, which i think is interesting namati hordes i could definitely see and you could see reavers and thralls in the mix or you might just see loads of namati pushing up the board i mean sure you're definitely going to see uh, triple of viadons as well because who wouldn't want to and that's still like we said going to be 24 shots i think the fact that the all strikes first has been kept is great for Eidneth Deepkin players, but really sets kind of like a glass ceiling for combat armies in the future, especially because the army also has some very, very good shooting. It's got weight of die shots that you see coming out of the Reavers, and it's also got some big spiky damage available from the Razor Shell Harpoons. And this puts us in a really interesting place. Where will books like the upcoming Corn Book fit against an army that knows it's going to be able to strike first, even on turn two? or on turn three. It feels like they've designed themselves into a kind of corner, so that nothing else is going to be able to potentially engage with them on that turn. And that feels problematic and has always been an issue in Age of Sigma. I'd Deepkin, if we look at the stats, have been doing really, really well in this edition. They didn't necessarily need any help. Now, had they lost Always Strikes First completely, maybe I'd be looking at this book completely differently. However, it seems very strong and is going to define games and potentially the meta in the future. and it might de- it might define how other books play against it. If it didn't have any shooting, like let's say, a corn book, it would be very interesting to see how I feel about that. But what it does have is great shooting great characters great abilities it has an okay spell law very very good units that provide loads of different utility which is nice and there's been a lot of cleanup so you are going to have to play wholly within ranges which i think is quite good and it has very meaningful faction terrain now which is a lot better than what it previously used to be used for which was just blocking people in on the board i think making eels not as anywhere near aggressive as they were previously it feels like a positive especially the re-roll charges which i think is going to change stuff up uh, but i think it's a very 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 good book i think it's a book that already had good tech against the shooting meta that's currently in age of sigma at time of recording and it's going into that with more tools available to it now which i think is going to make this book and players who want to play this book be in a really good spot now just a final note i'd just like to thank uh the source for uh sending us this information but just taking a leaf out of games workshops decision making process uh, we've decided not to cite our sources because you know it feels like the right thing to do thanks for listening to the honest wargamer i've been your host rob and you can join me live on twitch any day uh twitch.tv and if you've liked it please do share it with your friends it's also available as a podcast if you'd like to listen back so thank you very much for listening and i hope you guys have some great wargaming.